Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss the latest heads up on lead in our precision machining shops. So, Miles, I know you wrote an article on this for the July issue of Production Machining Magazine. Why is it a heads-up on lead? Well, July is kind of an important month for lead in our machine shops. The European Union exemptions to ROHAS, Restriction on Hazardous Substances, actually expires July 21st, 2021. Okay, that's pretty darn soon. That's, yeah, we don't need our high beams to see this one uh, up front. All right, so let me back up for a second. How does lead help you be a better supplier? Well, lead is an ingredient in many of our work pieces that helps us deliver a part with a smoother finish. It helps us make the part using less power which means less electricity, which means less coal, which means less greenhouse gas. Actually, lead is helpful to our environmental goals in our particular industry. Sounds like it. So are there any, is it help with the machinability? Absolutely. So the lead uh, reduces friction, and by reducing friction, it also... uh, increases tool life, which increases machine uptime, which means more parts per unit time, more efficiency, more effectiveness, um, profits. Life is good with lead. It sounds like it. So I know we're having supply chain issues. Is, Is lead part of that equation? Lead is part of that equation. There's only one mill, to my knowledge, in the United States that has an EPA permit to melt lead for bar stock materials. The rest comes in from overseas, and overseas materials are all affected by the Section 232 tariffs that the last administration imposed. Okay, so let's go back to the, the Rojas Annex 3 exemptions. What, what does that mean? Well, lead was banned in materials under the original European Union restriction of hazardous substances uh, rules, except that they had an Annex 3 that gave exception 6A for uh, steel and 6C for um, copper-based alloys. 6B also uh, was one of those Annex exemptions and that was for aluminum. And we'll talk about aluminum later because um, we're expecting steel and copper to receive the same treatment, whatever happens with the EU's latest decision. But aluminum is uh, perhaps a different story. Okay. So let's say these expire in July 20. Did something have to happen for them to not expire? Or what if they expire? What what are we looking at here? Well, obviously we've got, um, you know, there are orders on the books and materials are on order uh, to 
make the parts for those orders. But until there's a decision, the current regulations, the current status for leaded materials stands. We're going to be able to use leaded materials, whether steel or copper, for at least the next 12 months, even if the decision ultimately is to revoke that exemption, because it's, it's going to be grandfathered, give us time to work out through the system. So it could be even longer, um, depending on how long the EU takes to make their decision. Okay, so what, what kind of conversations should our shops be having with their customers? That's really a great question, Carly. The fact is your customers may wake up one night in a sweat saying, oh my goodness, this deadline, we've got leaded materials, you know, what, what to do, what to I do. Panic. Right, and so panic is our natural reaction. Again, the chances are very likely, it's very likely that the EU will continue these exemptions. It makes good sense business-wise, finish-wise, part application-wise, and actually environmentally as the use of leaded additives in our machining stock reduces carbon footprint for the critical parts, human safety critical parts, that, that often ha have this, this material. So uh, not to panic, it's very likely it will be uh, extended and if they're not extended, we've got between 12 and 18 months or longer, depending on what the EU uh, decides is their uh, timeline or sunset. So uh, we're, we're aware of it. You can tell your customer, yes, you're aware of it. Um, we went through this before with the last revision to Rojas. As soon as we hear from the EU, we'll, we'll let them know. So is there an equivalent of leaded and unleaded? Well, that's, that's interesting. So many, many customers may say, you know what, I don't like this hanging over my head. What can we do to change, you know, to get this vulnerability out of, out of the way and, and to have it not complicate our procurement? And the answer is yes. So in steel, 12L14 is the, the, the popular leaded grade, 1215 has identical uh, chemical and mechanical properties, except it doesn't have the lead addition to make it more free machining. Now, I do know you have a, a chart that'll be available in the, the show notes that shows how to cope with going from leaded to unleaded for the 12L14 to the 1215? Yes. So the leaded grade is going to run at higher speeds and it's going to have reduced tool wear. The temperature that it cuts at is going to be lower and the chips will be thinner and every, I mean just everything's fine with 12L. So when you move to 1215 you are going to have to compensate. So to compensate we're going to slow down the machine, change the surface feet per minute, um, we can still get the same cubic inches of removal if we increase the feed rate just the same as we um, reduce the speeds. And so we'll get the same cubic inches of removal, we'll have less heat, and we just may be able to 
get close to the same tool life uh, if we make that change. One of the other things, again, we talked about the lead reducing friction. Friction is heat, coolant, and metalworking fluids. The application, the choice of them, getting them maybe through, through feed, through the tool, will be a lot more important, more critical on a non-leaded substitute compared to the leaded grade because there's going to be more heat, more friction that contributes to tool wear. So um, paying attention to heat control is going to be important. Finally, paying attention to the chips, making sure that uh, they're not hanging, hanging up and also increasing loads on the tools and um, minimizing the area for them to wear on the tools is something you want to pay attention to as well. So that's steel. What about brass? So brass is, is actually the very same issues. It's just there are uh, several different kinds of unleaded brass substitutes. So the same strategy for changing your operations is recommended. You know, reduce the speed, perhaps increase the feed a little bit to compensate. Uh, but what you're going to find with brass is your machine really needs to be rigid, it needs to be solid, it needs to be in good repair. Leaded brass is one of the most forgiving materials for machinists to cut. And so I'm not saying PMPA member shops have this problem, but there are probably shops that haven't paid very close attention to machine upkeep because they can whittle the parts out with leaded brass regardless of the machine's condition. And when, when they start cutting unleaded, who boy, it's going to be a loud alarm clock on the side of the, side of the bed. So they definitely need to pay attention to those details. And you had mentioned that there are different grades of brass. Does that affect the scrap? Well, well Carly, you couldn't have <laughs> you couldn't have identified the real problem any any better. I mean, buy me a lotto ticket tonight, would you? So the fact of the matter is that each of these different lead-free brass materials has a different chemical composition. And the components in some of these can actually interfere with the makeup of some of the other brasses. So scrap segregation is absolutely the A number one, top of the list, top priority for our shops. If you're going to go from leaded brass to a non-leaded brass, you need to pick one and you need to have a very deliberate and uh, controlled process for segregating the material so you don't lose the ability to recycle all your scrap. Many of our shops make money on the scrap return. Sure. I mean, scrap is valuable. Brass scrap is very valuable. You know, copper prices, you know, thank you, Freeport McRoran, you know, life is good in the copper industry. What if you have to landfill it because the scrappies won't take it because it can't be remelted into brass? Literally throwing away money. Literally throwing away money. So when you bring in non-leaded brass, 
one. Choose one. <laughs> Don't do this one because I can get it, and then that one, because as 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 you you can will find out, each of these is compatible with some and not compatible with others, and you're going to end up somebody's going to make a mistake, and you know it doesn't take much. A handful of chips, a cup of chips in a dump truck, if they take their sample in the wrong spot, you have just condemned an entire truckload of scrap to landfill. That's an expensive mistake to make. Now, are there any grades that can, that like are compatible with the leaded brass, or is it just always separate them? Well, I, I think it's just the best practice to keep it segregated regardless, but um, our tech member, uh, Mueller Brass, has two grades of low lead or lead-free material that are compatible with uh, the regular leaded brass scrap, and that's their C27450 and the C27451DZR, and both of those are 0.25 max lead, which I think uh, meets the requirements even though it's not lead-free, it, it meets the Rojas requirements for low lead. Okay. So we've done steel, we've done brass. You said we were going to talk about aluminum later. Can we swing it around to aluminum? Well, we can. I'd really like somebody else to talk about aluminum. <laughs> I'm throwing this your way for a reason. <laughs> so the aluminum exemptions are um, not as clear because in the last update, it was determined that there had been, in fact, an advance in the art, and that there are several alternative aluminums, the grades of which I don't have in my head, um, but there are several unleaded aluminums, and so the aluminum, leaded aluminum exemption, that one is, that one could go away. That could go away. Now, didn't the date on that one pass? Well, Carly, it, that's kind of the interesting point. The 6B2 um, for aluminum, that already expired May 18th. <laughs> I, I thought you'd said something about May at some point. Yeah, that, that has already expired. So as I said, the aluminum exemption was, was complicated because, as I said, they'd made progress in, in determining equivalence. And so we'll, we're going to have to wait and see what, what shows up on the aluminum side. But I'm fairly confident that copper and steel, we've got at least a year with no, no real change. The aluminum, again, they've got 12 months after the notice, but I'm thinking there, there is very likely to be a change in the status of aluminum in this next revision. And I think it's safe to say that you're going to be watching this rather closely and let our members know as soon as we do. It's interesting. I, uh, I've been in contact with several several people in Europe, and they're always wondering why the Yank is, is worried about lead. And I have to explain to them that we get our leaded material from Europe. So it's a much bigger issue for us, I think, than it is for them. Ah, uh, okay. And that wraps up today's podcast on Heads Up on Lead. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can also search for articles, webinars, podcasts, and other resources. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because that way you won't have to miss one. 
And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because we are better together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.